What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today, which is, of course, a sports ethos presentation. My name is Joe Orico, and I'm your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99, also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where all of our new baseball and fantasy baseball content will be posted from throughout the rest of the offseason, heading into the regular season as well. We're preparing a draft guide here at Sports Ethos. It'll come out sometime later in February. I'm going to say mid to late February. We're not nailing down specific dates yet. We're still figuring out everything that's going to be a part of it, who's going to do what exactly. But middle to end of February is when you guys are going to see that. And of course, you guys can check out sportsethos.com. Like I said, we are a Sports Ethos presentation. All of our stuff is posted on the website, first of all, articles, podcasts, and everything else. So guys, make sure you go check it out there. There's free stuff. There's premium packages we literally got everything going on over there, so make sure you check it out. Today, we are going to continue with our rankings. We've done, you know, the last week or so has been rankings and team previews mixed in together. A big thank you to Mike Carter, who came on to talk White Sox, and, of course, Chris Welsh, who was on the show yesterday, uh, talking about Arizona Diamondbacks. Next up, we got Monday. Chris Clegg is going to be here. You guys know him from the Fantrax Toolshed pod. He is now with Pitcher List as well. He does a ton of different things. We're going to be breaking down the Braves. That one will be out mid-Monday. And I know what we've been doing here is Friday we start the rankings and then we continue them on Monday. We're obviously going to be continuing them on Tuesday because we're lucky enough to have Chris joining us uh, on Monday. was able to golf with Chris in Arizona, chat with him for a while. Uh, Great dude. I can't wait to talk with him again. So make sure you guys download, subscribe to the podcast so you guys get that one right in your feed when it comes out. Now, like I said, we are going to be going to second base today. And before I started putting these rankings together, you know, and even right when I first did, you know, I made a joke on the on the on the wire podcast a couple weeks ago that I needed to take a break after initially looking at second base rankings because it is it's not a great position. But the more time I spent with it, the more it grew on me. There are actually some guys that I've wanted to squeeze into my top 10. Today, we're going to do top 10 and then next week we'll carry it over and finish off like we've been doing here. Uh, likely a top 30 we're going to be doing. I, I initially was, you know, dreading this position in particular, second and third, catcher as well to some extent. But going through it, it's really actually kind of an interesting position. There are a lot of players where, you know, you might not think that they'd be so fantasy viable. Some guys where you might in the back of your head think, oh, that guy's okay or whatever. But you look at the projections, you look at what they've done over the last couple of seasons, Second base is not as bare as you might expect it to be. So why don't we get started here, and I'll tell you guys who I have at number one. It's Jose Altuve. I, I was a huge Jose Altuve fan you know, in the early parts of the 2010s when he was first coming up. I love the guy. I still think he's an incredible baseball player. I don't revere him in the same way that I did at one point. I've mentioned it on the pod a few times over the course of the last year. Uh, I'll never look at any of those core Astros members the same way that I once did, but if you look at what he gives you every single year, Jose Altuve, it's really hard to fault him. If there's anything, it's the fact that he's getting older a little bit, but he's at the top of one of the best lineups in baseball. He hits for power. He steals bases. He hits for average. He does a bit of all, a bit of everything for you. Now, the stolen bases had kind of disappeared the last couple of seasons, but he got it back up to 18 this past year. His stat line over this past season, 28 homers, 103 runs scored, only 57 RBIs with batting at the top of the order. That kind of thing will happen here and there. I mean, we've also seen him give you 96 RBIs, so he's capable of a lot more, but he gave you 57 last year, and he hit 300 right on the dot. He was a more than six-win player, according to fan, uh, base, no, excuse me, Fangraph's War. Uh, the hell with baseball reference war. Fangraph's War had him at 6.6. He, he's still fantastic. I have him as my number one second baseman. 
Now, he's not number one in terms of ADP. There are a few guys who are clustered together between pick 35 and 53. We're going to go through the four of them. And my ranking still has those four players at the top just mixing up the order the slightest bit. Really, it's just one and two getting flipped here. But Jose Altuve, I think, is the safest floor across all the five categories. You're looking at somebody who can give you 30 home runs. Not that he necessarily will, but it's within his range of outcomes to hit you 30 home runs, to steal double-digit bases, to hit for a 300 batting average. He does a lot, and the lineup that he's in is no small part of, of why I'm putting him number one. The lineup is just ridiculous. They added Jose Abreu. You know, uh, they're not going to have Yuli Gurriel, but that's a fairly fairly okay trade-off from a fantasy point of view, from a real-life point of view. We're looking at Altuve 1, Brantley 2, Bregman 3, Jordan 4, Abreu 5, Kyle Tucker in the 6 hole, Jeremy Pena at 7. It's a stupidly deep lineup. Jose Altuve should very easily score 100 runs. He's projected for 97. Uh, according to ATC projections, he's the highest projected run score. He's projected for 25 homers, 13 steals, and a 275 average. And that 275 is its probably a little bit conservative, honestly, with Jose Altuve. I mean, considering he just batted 300 this year, uh, the career batting average for him is 307. I mean, maybe it starts to go down a little bit, but if you're looking at any full year he's ever had, and we're taking away 2020 because that one was not a good year for him. He batted 219 over the 48 games. But every other year, going back to his rookie year, you're looking at 276, 290, 283, and then he had that ridiculous span of three, four years there, 341, 313, 338, 346, 316. Like, I don't see any reason to project him to hit lower than about 285. Like, he's just not really ever done anything lower than that. Of course, 2020, we throw it away. It's not a full sample size. Guys didn't have a chance to really get going that year, so we'll, we'll remove that from the equation. I don't think he's going to bat 275. I think he'll be closer to 300. Everything else with the projections I agree with. I think 13 steals is a good number to project him for because, you know, he'd gone single digits the last couple of years, jumped back up to 18. It's hard to say if he's going to continue to steal at the same clip that he did last season. So I think 13 is, is a pretty fair estimate. He's just an, he's an elite offensive second baseman. He is really incredible. Defensively, whatever, who cares? We don't care about defense here. We're talking fantasy. He is my number one second baseman heading into the season. And, of course, I've said that things will change in terms of rankings here and there. I don't really anticipate that one changing. He is, for me, uh, pretty clearly number one. Now, number two and number one by ADP here is Marcus Semien. He's the guy who is going first in terms of all second basemen. 35, uh, 35th overall by ADP. If you're looking at the 16 draft champions that have happened since Christmas Day, he's going to pick 35 on average. Altuve, I pick 43. No, no crazy differentials there, um, but definitely, you know, I'm doing a switcheroo where maybe some people will take Marcus Simeon. They think that he is more secure. Now, there's nothing that I would really lean towards Simeon for. Can he, you know, potentially have more power than Altuve? For sure. We saw that year in Toronto, the power that Simeon can have. He can steal bases. He can hit for a pretty decent batting average. It's going to be lower than Altuve. They're fairly similar players overall. I think the batting average is really where I I separate them. Altuve is going to be closer to a 300 hitter, where Semyon is probably going to be somewhere in the 250, 260 range. Most of the other categories are generally a wash. You know, their their projections are are fairly close to one another. I mean, um, what what is he projected for in stolen bases? He's projected for a few more stolen bases than Altuve. Uh, it's 19 to 13. Everything else, incredibly close. And even the stolen bases for Marcus Semien, that's another thing. Like, is he going to steal the bases that we saw last year, which was 
a kind of an outlier for him. I'm just pulling it. I think it was 25 he had. Was it? Yeah, it was 25 stolen bases. His previous high was the year prior at 15. And I think part of that with him last season was the fact that he struggled so much out of the gate. He was trying to find a way for himself to still have value to his team. So I think that he went out of his way to steal a little bit more than we had seen in the past. Will he still steal at that same clip? I don't really think he will get up to that same number. The bat X has him for 16, ATC for 19, Steamer also for 19 steals. I think on the lower end of that is probably going to be correct. I would say 15 is probably about what I'm expecting. There is definitely some variance there. And with his line in general, there is as well. When you're talking about somebody who is a year removed from 45 homers, I mean, could he get back to that? He could, hypothetically. Yes, he's not that old, Marcus Simeon. We're talking 32 years old. He's not that old, really. He could do that again. It's just I'm not going to be projecting him for that same exact Toronto home run number or the same number of steals that he had in Texas in his first season. With all that being said, though, I think we should still be looking at 25 to 30 home run, generally kind of 25 to 30 home run range, 80 to 85 runs scored, probably in that same range for RBIs, maybe a little bit lower, 75 to 80. And like we talked about, probably looking at a 250, 260 batting average. I feel pretty comfortable projecting him as the number two second baseman while also acknowledging that there are some factors that might take him down a couple of spots. But I think overall, when you're looking at the amount of games that he plays every single year for you, you can be pretty confident in projecting him to be one of the absolute elite talents at second base this coming season. And he is projected to play the most games at the position in uh, by ATC. I'm looking generally at ATC here for projections. He's projected for 155. And it's, you know, it's hard to fault those projections for that. I, I, we've talked about this ad nauseum at this point. You know, previous health doesn't mean you're going to be healthy in the future. But his last three full, let's go four full seasons, removing 2020, he's played 161, 162, 162, and 159 games. You're getting the volume, you're getting the per game value from him as well. I feel very confident ranking him as my number two second baseman. Now, number three, I was torn between Jazz Chisholm and Ozzy Albies here. I ended up going with Jazz Chisholm at number three, Ozzy Albies at number four. Now, there's also been some news today regarding Jazz Chisholm, not directly regarding him, but there's a trade with the Marlins, Luisa Rise going to my, I was about to say Florida, going to Miami, still essentially Florida, but in my head, they're still kind of the Florida Marlins. Pablo Lopez going to Minnesota. Bit of an odd trade, but a part of that trade, or part of the news, uh, Craig Mish was, was tweeting out earlier today, Pretty recently, actually. By the time you guys hear it, it might be a few hours, but he just tweeted out before I started recording this. Jazz is going to get some reps in the outfield. He's going to play center field for this team, apparently. That's that's going to add some bit of value, val, ah, valuability, I guess. I don't even know if that's a word or not. It's going to make him more valuable this upcoming season, to put it in plain English. Jazz Chisholm is one of, you know, there's not many guys at the top here who are going to have multi-position eligibility, and there's really no second baseman here until you get to, like, Whit Merrifield by ADP at number 17 who are going to have outfield eligibility as well. So getting Jazz Chisholm there, it won't maybe be for the first week or two of the season, but he'll have outfield eligibility for you to go along with second base. You're talking two relatively scarce positions. That ultimately wasn't the number one deciding factor, but it definitely helped me push him to that number three spot because I really wanted to put Ozzie Albies there. I think Ozzie Albies is somebody that's going to be generally undervalued this year because he was out so much last season. You know, he was out and then he comes back and he gets hurt again right away. It was a nightmare season for him. And, you know, we're kind of forgetting, I think, generally what he did the year prior, which was a 30-20 season with 209 runs and RBIs put together. He batted 260. 
Like, he was one of the most valuable players in baseball in 2021, certainly for fantasy. He had a down year, mostly because he was injured. He missed about 100 games due to injury, and now you're getting him a little bit discounted. So I, I think that you can look at Ozzy Albies as your number three if you want to, and I wouldn't fault you for it. I think they're very close. By ADP, we're talking five spots. But I think with Jazz Chisholm, I feel a little more confident that we're going to get the steals and the home runs. The batting average for them is probably going to be a little bit higher for Ozzy Albies. But I think with Jazz Chisholm overall, and it is it is incredibly close here, I think the outfield eligibility might might honestly be subconsciously what pushed me over the edge there because I was very close uh, even just before we started recording here, looking at these rankings again. And I had Chisholm third before I, like, that news came out, but it just solidified it for me there. When you're looking at most of the categories are going to be fairly close. I think Jazz will have the advantage in stolen bases. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe he won't, but you know, Albies did steal 20 just the year prior. But I think you're going to see probably a few more steals from Jazz and then a few higher, um, a few more batting average points from Ozzy Albies. Everything else should be fairly close, but I think with Jazz Chisholm, uh, you're, you're looking at that outfield eligibility. And I think it really, honestly, the more I think about it and talk it through, that's a that's huge. That is really huge for one of these elite second basemen to get that eligibility. The four, the top four guys here, none of them have a second position. So definitely something uh, in my head, whether it was conscious or subconscious, I think it was more subconscious. Uh, pushing him to three, even though he was already at three. More solidifying him at three is the better way I can put it. I I think it's going to be very close. And there is a chance that maybe these could flip-flop three and four before the season starts. Uh, I'm not going to you know, count that out, that possibility. It's definitely there. Albies is in a much better lineup. So it is is really, truly, like you could say 3A and 3B for me here. There's not really much to differentiate them in terms of their overall fantasy outlook. For next season, not exactly the same player, a little bit different from fantasy point of view, but overall, very, very damn close. Now, next up, and those top four guys, that is that is tier one for me. They're pretty clearly the top four options that you have. Even if you look at ADP, uh, there's there's a bit of a drop off here after these first four, and then uh, Trevor Story is number five here in terms of ADP, not my rankings. In case anybody was kind of zoning out or whatever, Trevor Story is not number five in my rankings. He's not in the top ten of my rankings based on the fact that he's going to miss a lot of time. He'll be in the top thirty somewhere. Still figuring out exactly where that's going to be, but uh, he is definitely somebody you can push down a little bit, and then that tier gap gets separated even a little bit farther between the top four guys and the next group. Now, next up here at number five, I pushed him up a little bit ahead of ADP just based on position rankings, not based on overall rankings. Andres Jimenez is my number five second baseman for next season. The dude is really, honestly, incredible. Like, I'm going through his stats, you know, I, I knew he had a very good season last year. I knew that he was excellent, but how excellent he was kind of surprised me. If you haven't seen Andres Jimenez's stats from last year, look a little bit beyond just, I mean, you can look at the basic stats as well. 17 homers and 20 stolen bases. Excellent. Excellent. Like just, you know, on the scene out of print, not out of nowhere, but not expecting anything like that heading into the season. He batted 297. And yes, he did have a pretty high BABIP at 353. But still, he's a pretty quick guy. Quick guys are going to run higher BABIPs in general. What really surprised me when looking at his stats was two things, really. He was a six-win player on Fangraphs, 6.1 war. That factors in defense as well, and his defense is excellent. But still, six-win player, like that's to, to burst on the scene like that is incredible. Second, his WRC Plus was 140. 140 for Andres Jimenez. I would have never thought it would have been that high. 
considering you know the fact that we weren't really expecting that much from him last season. And he came out and he absolutely shone. Like he was just, he was amazing. And heading into next season, the projection systems really like him. They think he's going to do essentially the same thing again. Now they think that Babbitt will come down a little bit, and you know by default the batting average will as well. But you're still looking at projections, and you're looking at ATC 16 and 20, which is the same thing he did last year. He's projected for more runs, more RBIs, and then the batting average projected to come down a few points, which is, I mean, by a few, I mean about 30. But, man, overall, I, there's a couple of guys that you could argue for this slot, but Andres Jimenez feels very safe in the middle of a very good lineup. Uh, we've talked about you know the Cleveland lineup here a number of times. It's not packed with your stars. It's not you know hundreds of millions of dollars of payroll. It's I don't even know what their payroll is. It might be under a hundred million dollars. God, but their lineup it doesn't suffer because of it. Quan Rosario, Ramirez, Josh Bell, and then Jimenez fifth. Josh Naylor, Oscar Gonzalez, Mike Zanino, Miles Straw. Zanino and Straw, not great, sure. But at the end of the day, you could still get 20 dingers from Zanino and like 20, 25 steals out of Miles Straw. Like real life or fantasy, you're looking at a lineup that could feature nine rosterable players in it. And, uh, you know, Zanino, maybe he does end up rosterable. Maybe he doesn't. I forget where I had him in my catcher rankings. He was fairly low. Uh, he was in the bottom half of it for sure. But, you know, you could still see some fantasy viability. And Jimenez gets on base. Maybe Zanino, you know, he's going to be hitting a couple spots below him. Will hit home runs. That's what he does. He'll be driven in more often because of it. The guys ahead of Jimenez should be getting on base quite a bit. When you're looking at Quan and his projected 360 OBP, Ramirez and his projected 350 OBP, and Josh Bell, same thing. These guys are going to be on base quite a bit right in front of Jimenez. He will not lack for counting stats. He has the potential to go 2020, and he just showed us this year that he can hit close to 300. So I, I love him. I think that he is somebody that should be a target of yours, especially considering the fact that he is probably a little bit undervalued. Like looking at ADP right now, he's going as pick 87. I think he should probably be going maybe a little bit higher, somewhere in the 70s, I think, based on his skill set, based on the projections, and based on the relative scarcity at second base. Like I talked about off the top, deeper than I had initially anticipated it to be before I really started digging in. But still, not a position where you want to wait until you know, post-pick 300 or anything like that. He's somebody that you should be looking at as a target once you get close to pick 100 in your drafts. But let's move on to number six. I'm banking on a comeback, and the projection systems are banking on one as well. I have Jorge Polanco here as my number six second baseman. Now, he had a, he had a tough year. No question about it. He had a very tough year. He played 104 games, 16 homers, three steals, and a 235 average. And, you know, for a lot of players, you'd say, all right, whatever. It's because the year prior, he gave you 33 homers, 97 runs, 98 RBIs, 11 steals, and batted 270. He's had some very good seasons in his career. This past year was just not one of them. One thing that you can look at as a huge positive, though, is something that stood out to me when I was doing this. He played 104 games, which, you know, it's, it's not a full season, but it's close enough where you can look at it as a decent sample size of what he does, right? Uh, he's, as a side note, only the fourth time he's actually played over 100 games in his career. He kind of alternates between playing 100 games and not playing 100 games. But his walk rate for his career, 8.4%. These last few seasons, you're looking at 7%. 6%, 8%, 7%, 7%, about league average. And even, you know, 2019, a touch over league average. This past season, and I had to double-check this because it seemed incredible, he walked 14.5% of the time. Now, his strikeout rate went up to 21% from, you know, typically about between 15 and 18. So the strikeout rate jumped 3%. 
but he almost doubled his walk rate. And, you know, how sustainable is that over the course of a whole season? It's really hard to say. But he is somebody where you look at him and you're like, okay, the price is really not that bad. It's actually very good considering he's the 10th second baseman by ADP at 172. He's got a pretty solid lineup around him there. I mean, is it is it the best lineup in the world? No, but it's still it's still pretty decent. And, you know, losing Luis Arise today definitely does. I don't love it, but you're still looking at Correa and Buxton in front of him. You're looking at Max Kepler, Jose Miranda, Joey Gallo behind him. Alex Kirilov now slotted into that starting lineup, too, which is a whole other point for another day. But you could still see Polanco driving Correa and Buxton quite a bit and then have Kepler, Jose Miranda, and Joey Gallo driving him in a bit. So I think the counting stats are going to be fairly secure. The home runs, we're looking for a bounce back on the home run rate and everything else. Now, I think that 2021 was a bit of an outlier. His ISO was over 200. First time that he'd ever done that. Back down to 170 this year, which is still, you know, pretty reasonable. If he plays a whole season, if he plays 100, you know, like what he's projected for, 138 games, roughly 137 on ATC, he can give you exactly what he's projected for and even more, which is 21 homers, 74 runs, 72 ribbies, seven steals, and a 254 batting average. <clears throat> if he gives you that, no problem taking him as a six second baseman off the board. There's a lot of value at second base in these in this kind of range because these guys aren't that expensive. Their skill sets are generally fairly similar. You know, we're looking at guys who can give you 20 and 10 roughly uh, in this in this range, and there's a few of them, you know, starting with Jimenez, really, and then going on to Polanco and the next couple guys we're going to talk about. I really like this particular range. You don't have to pay up necessarily for one of those elite second, third, fourth round guys. As much as I like them, you know, you're not going to get hurt by it. Having Altuve share, having Marcus Semien shares, it's it's very likely not going to hurt you. But you can wait a little bit, maybe go for third base a little bit earlier. Because looking at third base, it really, truly sucks. You know, in my head, second and third are kind of grouped together. But third is a lot worse. If you want to secure third base earlier, go for one of these mid-round, you know, still relatively early, but closer to mid-round second baseman. I think it I think it really makes a lot of sense. Jorge Polanco is the first guy in that tier where I'd be looking at him very seriously for this coming season. He is not he's not expensive and he probably should be a little bit more. And of course, you know, it's because he wasn't that great last year. People are, you know, in the sports world, fantasy sports world, what have you done for me lately is the most I don't know. It's not really thrown around that much, but it is definitely the most prominent mental aspect of fantasy baseball. Were you good last year? No. The hell with you. You were good last year? Okay, I'll draft you. You know, it's it's very... We, you know, that's why we have to rely on projection systems and three-year averages and things like that because it kind of removes the human element from the equation. But let's move on. Let's move on and talk about Glaber Torres. He is the next guy that we are going to have ranked. He is number seven for me. I like Labor Torres a lot. Looking at his projections, are they're very good. He is the number eight second baseman by ADP. We have him at seven. Not a not a drastic change, but I do think that he is worthy of your consideration. And again, at that point, whether it's seven or eight or nine, not a huge difference. He's still going to be in the same tier for me, generally with Jimenez and Polanco as another guy who can give you 20 and 10, you know, maybe even a little bit better. But all those guys are generally going to be doing that. He's doing it at Yankee Stadium in a lineup that is, you know, I've talked about it a lot. The Yankees lineup is is good. It's not great, but it's it's solid enough where you don't have to worry about, you know, him having no counting stats and it's just being a, a disaster in that regard. It's not that bad. If Aaron Judge had left, I mentioned this last week or maybe earlier this week, we would have to reevaluate everything 
because everything would be completely changed at that point. But Glaber projected the leadoff. He's going to have Judge behind him, Rizzo, Stanton, Josh Donaldson, Oswaldo Cabrera, uh, Harrison Bader, Oswald Peraza, and then Jose Trevino. You're still looking at a very solid lineup there. He should not lack for runs scored. Now, RBIs in the leadoff spot, maybe they're not going to be there in spades. But he's still projected to give you 70. He's projected for 21 dingers. He's projected for 12 stolen bases and a batting average across the board over 250. Steamer has him for 261. Steamer is pretty big on him. They're projecting the most runs. They're projecting the most homers, most stolen bases, highest batting average across all the projection systems for him. And I think that he can easily get there because he just did it last year. Last year, he had 24 homers, 10 steals, and the 257 batting average. 73 runs scored, 76 RBIs. He played a lot of games, 140 games. And, you know, it's kind of – he's still someone who's hard to kind of figure out generally. 2020 was tough for him. It was, I mean, short sample size like every other player. 2021 was generally pretty tough for him, too. We saw the steals get up there, but the power evaporated. Nine homers in 127 games. This past year, he showed us why we were so interested in 2018 and 2019. It's because he can legitimately go out there and give you 25 to 30 homers, have a boatload of counting stats, and now he's proven that he can be a double-digit steals guy. And the batting average to boot is still pretty damn good, considering where league batting average is at. 260, you'll write home about that. You'll tell your parents you draft a second baseman who's hitting 250, 260. I really like Labor Torres. I wouldn't say I love him because he's a Yankee and the, the Blue Jay and me won't let me go that far. But for fantasy purposes, next season, Glaber Torres is going to be a very, very valuable pick in the 120 range. Currently, in these last 16 drafts, going between 106 and 139, I'm all in. Give me all the Glaber Torres you can in that price range. Now, next up, at number eight, I have Tommy Edmond, and he's a couple spots lower than consensus for me. Uh, he's number six based on ADP right now. I have him at number eight, and there's a couple of reasons to worry about him a little bit. Spot in the batting order. I, you know, I'd like to see him just lead off all the time. Will he lead off all the time? I doubt it because they just haven't really done that with him. Now, he's projected to lead off here based on roster resource. Last season, we saw him kind of move around a little bit, and it wasn't something that you could count on all the time that he was going to be leading off. Sometimes he was. Sometimes he was batting ninth. Sometimes he was mixed in in the middle of the batting order. Uh, let me just pull up his at-bats by, uh, by batting position here. So let me look at games, actually. 87 times he was leading off. That's very solid still. But 14 times he was second, 11 times he was sixth, six times he batted seventh, 31 times he batted ninth. You don't have that kind of security where you would with, a, with an Altuve or a Semyon or a Chisholm or a lot of the guys we've talked about today where you know where they're going to be in the order generally. Even if it's not one, you know, you have that security of knowing when you draft a guy. He's batting fourth for me. He's batting fifth for me. That's solid. With with um, with Tommy Edmond, you might draft him and you might end up with a nine-hole hitter. And I, I don't expect that. I really don't expect that to happen. But it's within the range of outcomes. It is totally possible that we see Tommy Edmond take a bit of a step back simply because the Cardinals want to mess around with their lineup. And, you know, maybe that's not fair of me to lower him because of that. But you have to factor in everything when you're looking at these projections. And as of right now, I think that they're pretty good, the projections for Tommy Edmond. But I'm not really going to be going out of my way to draft him above where he is currently going, which is in the 80s. I think that it's a fine pick, fine enough pick, uh, 80.7 right now based on ADP. But I don't think you need to put him ahead of any of the other guys we've talked about, partly because of that, partly because you know he steals a lot of bases. He can hit home runs for you, but that's kind of it. I mean, he's going to score runs by default at the top of a lineup, which a lot of players are. 
you know, he's not going to drive in that many runs. Like we said, the home runs, it's probably going to be like 10, 12-ish. Batting average, pretty good. I, like, I overall, I like him. I think he's still in the same tier as the guys above him. You know, it's kind of a reverse. The guys above him are like 20 and 10. He's more 10 and 20. 10 and 30, more like it, really, because he can steal 30 bases. He's shown us the last two years. That speed is legit. I just worry about how much he's actually going to be able to use it in this lineup. Will he be somebody that is consistently batting at the top of the order? Are they going to play games and move him all around and then kind of, you know, and make it hard to really know how valuable he's going to be. I really don't know what to expect with him. And that uncertainty is kind of a big reason why he is a little bit lower in my rankings than, than maybe he will be at other people's. I've been trying to avoid other people's rankings like the plague, trying to avoid looking at ADP so I can avoid any kind of bias, conscious or otherwise. And I'm trying to to figure out where Tommy Edmond exactly should go. And I think number eight is probably about correct. The projections have him in line pretty much with what he did last year, but I just don't know that I would want to take his stat line over a Glaber Torres right now or a Jorge Polanco or a Jimenez. And by ADP, he's going ahead of all of those guys. I just can't really see it at this point in time. He's There's a decent chance that he'll outperform his projections. You know, he's a decent chance that he can hit you 15 home runs instead of 12 and steal 30 instead of 25 and, you know, bat 270 or so instead of 250, 260. It's possible I just have some trepidation because of the lack of certainty in terms of his lineup spot. Now, he'll be in the lineup. His defense is in, in exceptional. Like, he'll be in the lineup for sure. He was, he was a five-and-a-half win player last year. But they might play some games, and it might make it hard for him to really, truly rack up those counting stats. Like, I'm not worried about the steals. The steals are going to be there. It's just a matter of, will it be 90 runs? Will it be 72 runs? Will it be 105 runs? It's that, that part there for me. It is a big question, and it's a big reason why he's a couple spots lower. Now, I, I love him. I had him on a bunch of teams last year, but I'm I'm a little bit lower than consensus probably heading into next season. At number nine, I have Brandon Lau. He's kind of a tough one to rank as well based on ADP. I didn't think I'd be higher than consensus on him. I was actually going through this exercise over the last couple of days of doing these rankings, and originally I was like, Brandon Lau is probably going to be five or six, and then I was thinking about it more. I was like, he's probably like seven or eight, and then, you know, ended up being nine. And I I worry a little bit about the lack of periphery production. He's going to give you home runs. You know, we saw it la- not so much last year, the year prior, because he was injured last year. It's very hard to look at what he did this past season and say, this is Brandon Lau. This is what he does. Like, I mean, it was 65 games. He was injured the whole time. Never really had a chance to fully get going. What he did in 2021, which is his only full season in the bigs, he's played, other than that, 43 games, 82, 56. That year was 149. We really got a taste of what he can do, and it was 39 dingers, 97 runs, 99 RBIs, 7 stolen bases, and a 247 batting average. Overall, incredibly valuable offensively. Last season, you know, I was one of those people who drafted him in a couple of spots. I liked the price. I liked the production, blah, blah, blah. And he ended up missing the entire season almost at the point where, you know, he was actually a drop for me over the last six weeks or so of the season. Even when he was back, he was just brutal. He never really had a chance to get going. But heading into next season, I really think that we could see a rebound from him. The only real worry, like I said, you don't have those periphery stats to fall back on. There's going to be not really many steals. Like, you know, he's projected for four or five, depending on where you're looking, which is all right. But the batting average is probably not going to be great either. You need the home runs, the runs, and the RBIs to be there. And they and they should be there. But this is kind of a tier break for me of, you know, 
he's not somebody where I'm going to rely on him as much as like the top eight for me are, are pretty secure. And you know, you want to, you want to talk about should Edmund be six and Polanco seven and however, th- then fine. But those eight guys are all going to be ahead of the next couple of guys we're talking about, partly because of certainty about uh, around playing time. I mean, you know, we, I don't worry that Brandon Lau is not going to play. It's more so a worry of what is he going to give you when he's out there other than the power stats and the power stats should be there. You know, the counting stats should be there, but the steals probably won't be. The batting average, it won't be. I can almost guarantee that. You look at the power and you say, okay, he can be a 40 home run guy, and that's kind of where you have to lie here. Uh, He's projected for the highest ISO among any second baseman. The power is going to be there. He walks at a good clip, so the on-base percentage is going to be there if you're in an OBP league. It's just the batting average and the steals for me that kind of hold me back from putting him even a little bit higher. But overall... I like Brandon Lau quite a bit heading into this this next season. Uh, I think that overall his price very handsome at 180. You know these last 16 drafts between 155 and 214 in his, is his price. At that point, you know you buy back in, you buy in on guys who you can get a dip on from the previous season because of one thing or another. Injuries, sure. You know a little bit of a down season for no reason, sure. Buy back in. Brandon Lau should be in the middle of that Tampa lineup. Should not lack for counting stats. The only thing, like I said a couple times now, and I'm sorry to be repetitive, stolen bases and batting average just really uh, hold me back there. You really like to go for somebody who is a little more solidified in their production across all four, all, at least like four categories, which most of these guys we've talked about, you got that four or sometimes even five category base. Now, the next guy we're going to talk about is kind of interesting because he does kind of give you that five-category base. There's just a little bit of uncertainty because there's a relatively small sample size around him, which is the reason why he is going to be lower in my rankings than Brandon Lau. We're talking Von Grissom. Von Grissom, I really like the dude. He's 13th based on ADP. I have him up at 10. And, you know, he is somebody where he could blow through his projections. And his projections are pretty damn handsome considering he's 22 years old. He's born in 2001. He is a few years younger than I am, and the guy is the guy is already thriving at the major league level. We talked about it with Welsh yesterday, how insane that kind of thing is. But when he came up to the bigs, he played in uh, 41 games, five homers, five steals, 24 runs, 18 RBIs. And if you don't remember, you better be sitting down. He batted 291, 363 in the minors. Like he's just he's just very, very good. Maybe I over-exaggerated the sitting down thing there. 291. But still, 291, five homers, five stolen bases, good counting stats. We're talking 41 games. You can't really do this. It doesn't really work like this, but 41, you're talking about a quarter of a whole season. You want to multiply this by a whole season, you're looking at a 2020 year with great counting stats, and you know, the, the average will stay the same, whatever. But he is somebody where he could really, really break out. The only worry and the only reason really why I have him below the other guys, and, you know, you could, you, Joe, you just said that you want to go for five-category guys, and Grissom is a five-category guy. He is a five-category guy in the majors over 41 games, and that's why he is where he is. Like, I mean, I, I really, really like him. But you also have to take it with, not I wouldn't say a grain of salt, but taper your expectations a little bit for a couple of reasons because he is so young, such a small sample size. And he's going to probably be batting ninth in that order. Like we saw with Michael Harris last year, it didn't affect him. But if he was batting at the top of the order, it would definitely benefit him a bit more. The thing you can look at when he's batting at the bottom of the order is the fact that he gets on base 
he has a ridiculous group of guys to drive him in. Ronald Acuna, Michael Harris, Austin Riley, Matt Olson, Sean Murphy, Ozzy Albies. That's, you know, and even you want to extend it, Eddie Rosario and Marcelo Zuna. I mean, Jesus, you could be looking at a one through nine lineup where all nine guys are fantasy relevant, at least seven. You know, Rosario and Ozuna are going to be the wild cards there in terms of relevance, but every other player in this lineup is going to be a must-roster player. And the other guys, to start the season, probably will be as well. You know, people are going to be drafting Ozuna. People are going to be drafting Rosario. If they get dropped, maybe they do. But that's just to illustrate the fact of how deep this lineup is and the fact that he won't really be lacking in terms of any of his counting stats. He shouldn't be anyway. I worry about, you know, projecting so much out of him. But ATC is calling for 122 games. They're actually the high man on the projections for games here. Steamer, the bat, everything else has 110. ATC has him for 122 with 14 homers, 16 dingers, or 14 homers, 16 dingers, 14 homers, 16 stolen bases, and a 277 average while giving you more than 100 runs and RBIs put together, you know, close to 110. If he gives you that based on where he's going in drafts, which is right now 181, you know, right at the same spot as Brandon Lau, you're going to be cooking with gasoline on your team, man. Like, he is somebody where you could hypothetically wait on second base. We've talked about this. We talked about it with Welsh a little bit yesterday, too, you know. Uh, Josh Rojas is another guy, Jeff McNeil. There are some real diamonds in the rough here. Once you start getting around, you know, pick 170 and beyond with Polanco, 172 for Polanco. And then you got Tyro Estrada, who will be in our next grouping. Brandon Lau, Grisham, Jonathan India, another guy who will be in our next grouping. Jake Cronenworth, Whit Merrifield, like we're essentially rhyming off the next 10 guys here that will be on my list. It's, it's a good value range, you know. There's a lot of talk about you have to get an early second baseman, and it definitely won't hurt you if you get an early second baseman, assuming health. You get a Simeon, an Altuve, a Chisholm, an Ozzy Albies, you know, even Edmund, Jimenez, Glaber, Polanco, you're, you're not going to get hurt by it. But, man, like there is some value to be had here around pick 200, post pick 200 that you can tap into. And there are so many strategies this year. You know, there are pocket aces. We talked When we had Michael Simeon on the show, whenever that was, December, late November, he's still going pocket aces. You can legitimately do that. You can also legitimately wait until the 10th round to take a pitcher. Like, I probably wouldn't, but you could literally wait until, like, probably round eight or round nine, then start, like, hammering pitchers every single round. Or, you know, you could take one or two at the beginning, go for one stud off the top, go for a Burns or a Cole or a Woodruff or a DeGrom or a Nola, whoever, wait a while, fill out your lineup, and then go back to pitching. You could take an early third baseman. You could wait a little. Like there are this year, it feels like there are more strategies and different viable options than we've seen in a long time here. Not that I've been playing fantasy for 30, 40 years or whatever. It's been like seven years. But still, it seems like we're looking at a time where there's really so many different ways to go about it that there's not like, you know, one strategy that every single person is going to be doing. You know, you have to take second base early this year. Everybody's going for, you know, player X. If you don't get player X, you're screwed. Not the way it is at all this year. And not, not that it's ever really one player or nothing, but we're looking at even the weak positions this year, fairly deep. Second base seems fairly deep to me. You know, there's still guys that we I haven't even mentioned at all, not once by name at all this show, who are you know past the 20th second baseman going off the board, who are still, I think, fairly viable options here. You know, there are guys like DJ LeMay who's not going off the board till the 27th second baseman. You know, he's probably going to lead off for that Yankee team. Maybe he may. I mean, Glaber's projected there on roster resource. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But you're talking about the 27th second baseman is still somebody like DJ LeMahieu, like 25 Colton Wong. 
Gavin Lux, Bryson Stott, Luisa Rise, all past the 20 mark. It's a deeper position than the general consensus of the public is, you know, and it's still not a deep position by any means, but it's a lot deeper than I initially thought before I started really diving into it. And we're going to continue to do that. I mean, over the weekend, I'm going to polish these, finish up the top 30, and then we're going to get back to you. Not with them on Monday. We are going to be giving them to you on Tuesday because like I mentioned off the top, we're going to be bringing on Chris Clegg, who's going to talk to us about the Atlanta Braves. Now, Chris lives in South Carolina, I believe, but it's you know there's no South Carolina baseball team, obviously. He cheers for the Braves. He is very knowledgeable about everything in baseball. If you're not following him on Twitter, by the way, Chris Clegg, like one of the better follows you can have for Dynasty Prospect, Redraft, whatever it is that you do. He's going to be here on Monday. We're going to spend about an hour going through the Braves' entire lineup, entire roster, maybe not the entire roster, the fantasy-relevant players for 2023. And we'll ask him. I'll talk to him about Von Grisham. I'll talk to him about Ozzie Albies. We'll see if he thinks that I'm insane ranking two different Atlanta Braves inside of my top 10. But I, I have a feeling that he'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, I'm not going to put words in Chris's mouth. We'll wait and see what he says here. And I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you guys are too. Hit the subscribe button to the podcast. Should just be in the top right corner, maybe left corner, depending on where you guys are listening. You'll get all of our new stuff in your feed. We are doing team previews for all 30 teams. We're going to be bringing on a guest, hopefully for every single one. A couple of emails I have to send out tonight, actually, now that I've reminded myself of that. We got 28 to go. We'll have 27 to go after Monday. You guys can really help out the pod by leaving a quick review or rating or anything like that. Let us know what you think. If you enjoy the pod, that is a very easy, free way to support us. You can, of course, check out sportsethos.com as well. We got free stuff. We got premium packages. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And I should probably mention to you guys before I let you go here, I'm going to be on PitchCon next week. It actually is going to be on my birthday. Uh, if you guys don't know PitchCon, it is put on by PitcherList, Nick Pollock and Alex Fast and the rest of the staff at PitcherList. It is in support of ALS this year. Uh, you know, we are raising money for ALS. I think Sarah Langs is going to be a part of the PitchCon experience itself. I'm not, I still need to read up a little bit more on the panels and everything else. But what I do know, 100% of the proceeds are going to the ALS Foundation. All of the money that you guys donate, you're going to be put into raffles for prizes. We're going to be giving away some sports ethos memberships on that day as well. I'm going to be talking January 26th, which is my birthday. It's going to be 7 p.m. We're going to be talking about value pass pick 300. I need to look at the email again, see if it's pitchers or hitters or everybody. But value pass pick 300 in drafts. One of my favorite things to do, look for late round targets. So make sure you guys go check out the Pitcher List YouTube page. Subscribe to that. Four full days of baseball, fantasy baseball talk. It's going to be incredibly fun. Can't wait to see you guys there, but we will, of course, see you before that on Monday with Chris Clegg for our Braves preview. Guys, take care. Have a great weekend and cheers. Cheers.